Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. Our guest for today's show is Andrew Rashid, founder and CEO of Devry. Devry is an Australian company that has leveraged the blockchain to create a product verification tool. It helps to ensure that the authenticity of products is maintained, which allows e-commerce players as well as other businesses to ensure that their supply chain is secure. Devry recently concluded a successful ICO, reaching their hard cap in 17 seconds after lifting the uh, lifting of the contribution caps. Before founding Devry, Andrew was heavily involved in the e-commerce space. He was the founder of several e-commerce stores on Amazon and Shopify, and also created the first Ethereum-only online store, eatstall.com. Devry was created due to issues with counterfeiting and duplication that Andrew experienced and saw in the market during this period. He recognized that digital product verification would greatly reduce these problems and provide greater transparency and confidence to online shoppers. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks. Good, good to be here. So before starting Devry, you created a couple of products. Uh, Eat Stall was one of them, like I mentioned, which is an online store where people pay and shop uh, in Ether, shop and pay in Ether. And uh, the other tool that you created was this um, CoinWatch Touch Bar, which allows Mac users to uh, track the prices of certain cryptocurrencies. Uh, were you making these for fun? Yeah, so um, with S-Store, that was actually when I saw the Ethereum ecosystem didn't really have any way to spend Ether besides um, purchasing into ICOs or token sales or um, paying for gas. So I thought that it'd be a good idea to, to set something up where you'd actually be able to purchase a physical, tangible item using Ethereum. And so I got the idea of that and it was uh, basically just a weekend project which um, I put together and, and put out and had some positive reception. And it was the same with the CoinWatch Touch Bar. It was just something that I kind of saw that a lot of people seem to be requesting, but no one had actually built yet. And that's how I kind of got into to just putting together these small projects to see how the community would receive them. And, and from what I gather, it's stall is still running, right? Do you plan to make sure that it keeps running or has it been discontinued? I still see the website. <clears throat> No, it's actually uh, still running. Um, we haven't shut it down yet. Some orders still come through here and there. And I don't plan to shut it down because I think a, f- a few people seem to be ordering some more things from there here and there. And there's been a bit of interest and it's been picking up, but it's not something that I'm um, really going out to advertise. Sure. And how did Devry come about? So Devry actually came about from my own experiences um, from within e-commerce. So. Myself and a few people that I knew that were actually running stores on Amazon and Shopify experienced some counterfeiting when they were scaling and running their brands. And the idea really came to me because I I thought to myself, what if there was a way to to actually mark those products on the blockchain and then prevent this brand value from being tarnished from other people coming in and, and taking over their product and starting to sell the same thing with no way to differentiate between the real and the fake product. And that's, that's really where the idea of Devery came from. Right. Could you explain the problem in more detail? 
uh, you mentioned counterfeit products, but you know, who are the different stakeholders that are impacted because of counterfeiting globally today? So globally today, it's the industry itself is a very, very big industry and it affects people from the consumer on the very last part to the, the manufacturer from the very beginning because if the manufacturer can't actually find out that um, the specific items that go into to making their, their product is real themselves, there's no way that they're going to produce a quality product to, to the end consumer at the end of the day. If there was a way to verify end-to-end -end items across the supply chain, that would help prevent these, these issues from occurring across the, the, whole, the whole chain itself. Could you explain perhaps with an example the end-to-end -end supply chain and how Devry is actually solving the problems that you just mentioned? So with Devry in particular, what we're really aiming to do is prevent brands from um, actually being taken over and duplicated by, by a third party and having no way to differentiate from the real brand, from the actual fake brand. So what we've actually built is we've built out a, a protocol to allow third parties to actually build verification apps on, on top of the software that we've um, developed. So say, um, for example, you're, you're a large shoe brand and you want to actually mark each of your shoes to be authentic. What, what that shoe brand can do is they can either come to us and we can provide a template application that allows them to, to mark specific items on the blockchain and for them to have a mobile app which verifies which actually whether it's a, a counterfeit item or whether it's actually a genuine item coming from that shoe brand. And um, it gives a lot of flexibility there because we've actually built a library which you can actually track it all the way to, towards a manufacturer if, if needs be. But it's really dependent on the brand themselves and whether they want to go that whole way or whether just, they just want to verify specific items to prove that when a customer is purchasing an item, is it in fact uh, genuine or whether it's just an item that hasn't actually been verified. So I want to talk about the protocol that you're building. Uh, I understand that the Devry protocol is the base layer of the ecosystem or the stack and the applications which will be used by the end consumers will be on top of this base layer. Is that correct? That's correct. Right. And are you guys creating just the protocol layer or will you be developing the applications as well? So at the moment, what we're really aiming to put out is tools that allow these applications to be built a lot easier. So we're releasing a JavaScript framework on top of the protocol that allows you to, to build your own verification application and not have to deal with a lot of the complexities of the blockchain underneath. But in saying that, we're also building out applications to demonstrate that an application can be built on our protocol and actually provide some live demonstrations of it actually working. And so you kind of uh, want to be the protocol that is kind of like a facilitator for this particular use case across multiple industries. That's and correct. But we're not really um, focusing on one specific industry. Whilst we are uh, tackling the e-commerce market, the protocol itself can be uh, adapted to, to different industries dependent on what the, the company decides to build on top of it. And is this because each industry has its own requirements and you want to be the one building the sort of the base smart contracts, which can be then used by the DAP developers for different industries while still interacting with your protocol? Yes, definitely, because it just provides a lot more flexibility because we found that when speaking to a lot of these different industries, they had very vastly different requirements. And in order to really hone in on what they needed, they needed a custom solution. But 
what we provide is the smart contracts and the JavaScript framework on top to just make that whole process a lot easier. And so will these applications have their own tokens or they'll be required to use your token? So all of the applications built on top will be using the, the EVE token to actually fuel the verification process. So, you know, speaking of the token, let's talk a little bit more about it. Uh, could you tell us the role of this token and how it will be used by the different stakeholders in the ecosystem? Sure. Um, so for the consumer side, the consumer side, when they're reading a, a physical product, they don't actually interact with the EVE token itself. But when a brand decides to mark items onto the blockchain, that's when the EVE token is required as the, the fuel cost of actually placing an item on the blockchain. And as well as that, say you are an application host, that fuel cost actually goes directly to you, as well as a, a small split which goes to Debra itself. And the idea behind that is that um, application uh, creators are actually rewarded by creating applications on top of the Debra protocol. And EVE is used as an incentive to, to continue this, um, this ecosystem of, of applications on top of the Debra protocol. You mentioned a mechanism in your white paper which allows the users to send EVE tokens without requiring Ethereum as gas. Could you talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, definitely. So um, one of our team members and also advisors, uh, Bucky, actually created this um, system called the Bucky Transportation Token Transportation Service. And basically what that allows is um, EVE to actually be transferred without a gas cost on, um, on the user end. And the idea behind it is the gas cost is actually fronted by a third party, which is actually paid out in EVE as an incentive to be fronting this gas cost. So what it allows is a lot more user-friendly experience when transferring a token on Ethereum. And it makes it seem almost like an, a native token, while something like this right now requires you to pay gas for certain functions to be implemented. And on Ethereum at the moment, there's only two projects um, have actually implemented this, us and uh, Gazecoin, which is another project which Bucky works with. So you mentioned that you will not be building all of the applications that will be finally, that will finally be used by the end consumers. Are there any specific ways that you have in mind to get application developers to build these beyond the monetary incentivization? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're actually just reaching out to developers who have um, actually spoken to us with an interest to build certain applications on top of the protocol. And uh, what we're doing is we're providing the support as well as um, documentation on, on how, how it actually, that they required to actually build on top of the protocol. So um, for example, there was one person who just sent us an email through our contact at that we address and we're working alongside them to build their own custom um, verification application on top of the protocol and providing them guidance there. As well as that, we're also running a hackathon towards the end of the year, which um, we're trying to bring a lot of people together to, to just hack together ideas that um, would allow them to build their own little verification application for a specific industry that they're very interested in themselves. Right. Uh, what I want to talk about next is competition, you know, both direct as well as indirect. Uh, and let's perhaps talk about indirect competition. Uh, do you think some of the larger companies may choose to go the private chain route versus going with Devry to achieve what you are trying to do? It really depends on their specific requirements. Um, for, for specific companies, private chains might actually work a lot better. But um, for other companies which 
want to show that everything is open and everything's transparent across the supply chain, they might opt for, for a public chain. But in, in our case, we're not actually placing um, all the information publicly available on the blockchain. It's actually hashed and placed on the blockchain itself. So it provides a bit more security in that case. And as Ethereum um, gets, up, gets more sophisticated and the developers in, in implement things like ZK Snarks, we could see private smart contracts becoming Ethereum, Ethereum itself. So it's, it's something that we're not closed off to and we're, we're open to, to bridging our token over from another chain onto Ethereum dependent on the functionality that they're providing us long-term. So the private versus public chain argument is just really dependent on the project itself. Makes sense. Fair enough. I read that you recently started working with the Tunisian government and the United Nations to ensure safe delivery of food to school children. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about how you made this happen and about your experience in general? Yeah, definitely. Um, so that specific project, um, we actually flew over to Tunisia itself and we, we met up with the United Nations World Food Program as well as the Tunisian government. And we spent the, a good part of roughly an entire month speaking to all the stakeholders involved and figuring out specifically what were the problems that they were facing in terms of food delivery to these schools all over Tunisia. And uh, what we found is using the blockchain, um, we could actually ensure that the delivery of food was completely transparent across the supply chain and help make it a lot more clearer to all the stakeholders that this food has actually not been tampered with across the entire supply chain and they've been delivered exactly what they've actually ordered. The project itself is actually undergoing heavy development right now. Um, we're going through constant iterations and um, some of our team members are flying back and forth through Tunisia uh, to ensure that the implementation on the ground is exactly what we've envisioned. And um, to say the least, it, to, to get the, the project moving forward, it, it was a very, very long process. And it wasn't actually until the, the last day that we were in um, Tunisia, two hours before we, we flew out to, to New York, actually, um, that the deal was actually signed. And then we, we, we flew over there and everything was closed. So it was very, very high pressure, but um, we're now heavy, heavy on the development side of things. Wow. Um, and how did this opportunity come up in the first place? So um, the opportunity itself, we were referred to someone uh, within the United Nations World Food Program uh, via one of our advisors, Dorji. And um, so he knew someone that actually worked there. And once we spoke to uh, uh, Maria over in, in Tunisia, we kind of gave her an idea of what we did and, and what, we, what we do, a bit of a background on our endeavor. And the next few days after that, we were just on a flight straight to Tunisia and it went from there. And from there followed uh, a month of, of constant meetings with rooms full of maybe 10, 20 people. And it wasn't until the very end that um, we figured out exactly what they needed and were finally able to sign the deal and actually start, start implementation on their own. Yeah, but I'm sure these are very exciting times for you. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, for, the, for the whole team, it's been a very, very, very busy few months. But um, I think... I think especially for this project uh, with the United Nations World Food Program that what we're actually doing is affecting the lives of real people and it's, it's, a, it's a project we really believe in. Are there any other interesting developments that you have in the pipeline? At the moment, um, we're actually heavily focused on, um, on product right now. Um, we're, we're working heavily on a, a website revision which we've um, spoken about briefly before. Um, so our website's getting a heavy revamp which will 
help explain our product a, a bit better, as well as the, the partners involved with some of the projects we've done. As well as that, we're also working on um, uh, a JavaScript framework, which is, is due to be released as well. And the idea behind that is it just makes developing on our protocol just a lot easier because most people develop in JavaScript rather than Solidity, and we abstract the complexity of Solidity and just put it in JavaScript so that anyone can just plug in and just start using the protocol. Um, as well as that, we're also releasing our mobile app next month, which um, allows anyone to, to market item on the blockchain and actually just read it using the mobile app. Um, so that's, that's a project we've been working on for a while. Um, we actually released a POC very early on into the, the token sale, but um, at, this, at this stage we've been able to connect it to the blockchain and now people can actually read directly from the blockchain using the mobile app. Beyond that, you know, over the next 6, 12 or 18 months, are there any key milestones uh, in your roadmap? I mean, all of these developments sound very positive and looks like you're on the right track. But like kind of like a, at least in you know, the blockchain space, kind of like your longer term uh, roadmap, so to say. Our focus right now is really, really product. We really want to uh, increase the, the depth of our smart contracts on Ethereum itself. Um, there's some things we want to add on, such as, for example, um, the web of trust, which we've spoken about before, um, which allows people to vouch for certain brands to prove that this brand is actually who they, who they actually say they are. And um, as well as that, we also will be iterating on our JavaScript framework, incentivizing more developers to build on top of the protocol and working on the current partnerships which we have to, to build out products which we can put out and show that this can be built on our protocol. And here is an example of it actually helping and affecting people on the ground itself. You've recently got selected into the JD.com Accelerator. Has this program already begun? Yeah, um, so with the program itself, um, we actually just recently flew over to Beijing and we plan to relocate over there for a couple of months. Um, and we'll be working alongside them. I can't speak too much about the particulars of our work with JD as it's under NDA, but um, we're very excited for the, for the projects which we'll be working with them in particular. I want to ask you a question that I ask all my guests. I want to get your outlook on the blockchain space in general. Where do you see it heading over the next couple of years? Are there any particular areas that you have a strong opinion on? The focus possibly for the next two years, I'd say, is definitely just that for, for Ethereum itself, which is where we're really focused on um, with Devery, is, is mainly just scaling. There's been a lot of talk about side chains, um, a lot of talk about token bridging. And these are things that most, most projects who have run a token sale will be going through. And... Um, these are, these are specific things that everyone will be facing in the next few months to the coming years. And I think scaling on Ethereum with Plasma, with Raiden, with um, sharding, and all, all these things which will be introduced into Ethereum will be possibly the core focus of the blockchain over the next few years. Um, as well as that, cross-chain cross, uh, bridging, because a lot of people are speaking about building side chains on Ethereum. But um, if, you're, if you were to build a side chain, you'd need to bridge your your ERC-20 onto that uh, sidechain itself. And I think that's going to be a, a huge focus for a lot of people over the next few years. And that's something um, us, with our specific projects, we're, we're also looking at as well. Do you mean interoperability? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So cross-chain compatibility and interoperability. Sure. Okay. So like projects like Cosmos and Polkadot, what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah. even just bridging uh, a proof of authority network with Ethereum itself, that's a big thing that a lot of people are doing right now. Right. 
is there anything else that you would like to mention that we may not have talked about? With Devery, we're, uh, we're heavily hiring people at the moment. So if anyone listening on this podcast is interested to come work with us, uh, feel free to reach out and the team's all, always willing to talk and sit down uh, possibly just for maybe a, a half an hour discussion with some of the goals of the people who actually want to be interested into the project because we're really interested in finding people who are passionate about blockchain, whether it be development, whether it be the business side of things. It's, it's something that is our core focus at the moment. Sure, sounds good. Um, and what's the best platform to follow your developments on? Are you guys active on Telegram, so, Twitter? So we have our community managers on Telegram, which is constantly updating the community. Uh, they have a direct line to us, which we uh, tell them what's, what's been happening with us. As well as that, we have Twitter, which we play some of our major announcements on as well as that. Um, we also have our Medium page, which we put, put through some of the blog posts on what's been happening um, throughout the few weeks and few months of the team. Sure. Um, thank you, Andrew, uh, for taking the time out to come speak with us. It was an absolute pleasure to have, in the, have you on the show. No worries. Uh, thanks for your time. It's it good speaking here. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.